0: Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast. I am your erstwhile host, Barnabas Piper, here without Ted Cluck, who is off doing... I don't know what Ted is doing. He's probably resting after a super busy Easter, even though he's not a pastor. And yet somehow, the resident man of the cloth, Ronnie Martin, did join me for this podcast, even, even post-Easter, even post the busiest week of a pastor's life. How are you, Ron?
1: I'm doing good, man. Uh, really? Big you you probably- survived?
0: You survived the 11 services, the egg drop, the... Um, I mean I'm assuming you had helicopters involved you might have brought in an NFL player you did all of it right
1: (laughs) yeah we had Derwin Gray come in uh, to do the helicopter drop for us so everything everything uh, everything went off Derwin
0: Gray dropped a helicopter that's what I heard
1: Herwin gray, derwin gray dropped out of a helicopter okay. holding easter eggs and then everybody jumped on him and, and stole the eggs from him. it well i don't know what happened it that, was just it was, i mean
0: something y- like that. look every other way of doing it has already been tried you got to try something new <laughs> i prefer yeah but everybody tackled derwin gray that sounds fun we should go yeah, with i don't it.
1: know we're trying to put a twist on it we're trying to put a flip on it you know because it's crazy
0: you know what did you actually do for easter well, at, so, Pike, here's church.
1: the thing. Yeah, we, uh, we did what we do, uh, I don't know, every week. We had a church service, and um, that's what we did. We also had a Good Friday service, which means we had something else, you know, in terms of uh, servicing during the week. But that's what, we, that's what we did. That's what we had. It was a church service.
0: And how many letters of complaint did you get that you did not provide, you know, special treatment for— all of the small children and everybody else, and there wasn't enough pastel colors, and you didn't wear a bow tie. And I mean, I feel like maybe you shortchanged the people of your church.
1: Dude, you know what? I I know I did. Because I I, I think what what we've done since day one is just had a a policy of shortchanging so that nobody will complain when they're actually being shortchanged. Which, so, um, the
0: policy of poverty is that uh, that's sort of written in your Bible? I mean,
1: I'm not saying we're Platt and Frankie Chan, I'm not saying we're doing anything like that, but it's uh, I don't know, I it, you know, there, nobody was di- nobody seemed disappointed. I don't typically get letters from anybody compl- of of complaints, and it's not because we're so amazing, you know, um, it just doesn't really, it's not part of our culture. Maybe it's because we're a church plant, um, I don't know, but how old it, is your church now? Six
0: years. When do you stop calling yourself a church plant and start calling yourself a church?
1: Well, we stopped. Yeah, we officially uh, crossed over into actual real legitimate church status after I think like a year and a half, two years with our denomination. So okay. at some point, like we crossed, we, we crossed this like threshold. I don't know what it is or what it means. It means we're self-sustaining, I think is what it means.
0: Yeah, like potty training is to a toddler what growing out of church plant is to a church. It's like three, you know, three-ish years old. And, you know, now what? guess what? You're, you're old enough to take care of this yourself.
1: Yeah, I think it's yeah, exact. I think okay. I think it's as soon as you go, as soon as you're not looking to as soon as you're not depending on outside funding to uh, to keep the ball rolling. I think that's when you when you go into you know official. Hey, look, ma, we're the, we're a real church status.
0: But I think some churches really like to keep the church plant status because it allows them to basically. It, it's kind of like perpetual adolescence, you know, like when a 27 totally. year old totally. still acts like a 14 year old and they're like, well, I'm still kind of finding myself and growing up. I'm like, no, you're a grown up and you need that. Oh, like yeah, that's that's like a, it's the same thing in churches.
1: It's a massive. Well, here's the thing, right? It's a like an denom, It's kind of a thing, right? Like these dudes that want to, you know, these dudes that, that want to just like hang on and hang on and be perpetual. Hey, we need funding. We need funding church plants. And they, they're going on like a year eight and it's like dude dude you need to like at some point you need to embrace like a reality that like you're you're moved out of mom and dad's house you have a job you're supporting your family like you're doing this thing
0: right you've, yeah you've, you're leasing your own your very own warehouse exactly you're doing just fine so i'm uh, i'm still baffled by this this lack of easter festivities cuz everything i saw online was that every church was the busiest week of the year and pastors are just slammed and overbooked and it's like their Super Bowl. I've heard it described that way for you, Ron. That's a sports event that happens. Yeah, that just sounds
1: deplorable to even describe it that way to me, but carry on.
0: But but this is common and this is not like – there's a whole category of pastors we make fun of regularly for a variety of reasons, like the sneakers they wear, for example. Totally. This is all, this is, this is much beyond that. This is in the realm of pastors who we would have great respect for, aside from calling Easter the Super Bowl. It's global, yeah. What's, what is the deal? What, who were the ad wizards who came up with this one, as Jerry Seinfeld once said? like what? I don't get it. What's the deal with the busiest week of the year for pastors when, clearly, you can just do a church service? I don't understand the phenomenon.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, that's why I brought it up. I was going to ask you. I, I want to ask anybody. In fact, I'm getting ready to head to <laughs> I'm getting ready to head to
0: so This could so- be a really fruitless conversation if we're both like, I don't know. What about well, you? no, I
1: mean, we're going to have to make some wild guesses here. Okay. I'm getting ready to head to a sojourn retreat, which should not be shocking to you or any of our listeners. And if only um, and, Ted was here to
0: make fun of you and, and luxuriate with you. I, on the other yeah, hand, going we'll ignore it. But I'm going to ask a bunch of these dudes because I – what
1: I don't, I just, I don't like all the hype, right? And so, like, what I don't like are like these cliches that, like, you know, so I got dudes writing me this week on Tuesday saying, "Hey, man, do you, like, do you have a minute? Can we chat?" But I, but I get it if you're just so busy. And I'm like, dude, it's Tuesday. I'm preaching on Sunday, like I do every week. Like, and yeah, I have things to do, but like, why, why would I be more busy this week? And like, I just the whole, fe- the whole phenom of like. Easter week being the craziest week, like you know, of all the weeks in the in the pastoral calendar year. I
0: know. I mean, is it? I don't know. Does does the worship band do eleven times as many songs? Do you preach seven sermons instead of one? Well,
1: okay, you're onto something there. So the only thing I can say is that I know that some churches. Especially the ones that are big, you know, they start doing their Easter services like on Thursday night or whatever. So, um, so there, so there That's is right. something. It's, it's about-
0: Monday, Thursday Easter. It's Good Friday <laughs> Easter.
1: <laughs> totally, but like I don't know. Like we're not do You know, we still just had one service because we're not big. But um, we had a lot more people on Sunday than we normally do. But we didn't need to expand it to two services. But. I know if you're like a mega church, you know, you start, you have to, you know, you increase, you know, you do like nine services. So I don't know, mate, that does add a lot of extra work on the weekend. There's no doubt. Maybe the band, because of that, they have to do a lot of extra work. Maybe it's because there's a Good Friday service. Not all churches do a GF, we do. Um, but again, it was just, it was an hour long service. Sunday was the shortest service we've done, I think. Since we started, I preached a 25-minute message. It was shorter. Like, it was easier, Pipe, It was, easier, right? it was you, less.
0: Yeah, you looked out there and you were like, wait, half of these people are not used to my 57-minute sermons. I better cut Correct. this thing in half. Totally. That's
1: exactly what I did because I wanted to have mercy on everybody. And you so. wanted
0: to go eat lunch. So. And I
1: wanted to have lunch, right? So, yeah. I mean, it was like – so, for me, like, with the exception of Good Friday, which was just, okay, we're having another service on Friday – Um, dude, I'm just, I'm at a total loss other than I feel like in our, in our, you know, in our, in our our thing here, everybody just wants to, any excuse they want to, any excuse they can conjure up to say, oh dude, life is crazy. Life is crazy busy as Katie Y would say. Like they just, they want to overhype and I'm like, dude, but I don't know why. Like I, I'm still at a loss. What? So I want, so Pipe, I mean, you're at, you're in Ortland's church. How crazy was it? Uh, how much crazier was it?
0: Well, I will say this. I went in and had lunch with our two main pastors on Good Friday to talk about some planning things.
1: Dude, that's big. That's outrageous, too. And, it was Good and Friday. So,
0: so it means one of two things either I'm super, super special, so they made time for me, or more likely, they're not obnoxiously busy as compared to other weeks. I think it's probably the latter and okay. it's it, it, so we did a Good Friday service, which is it's uh it's a really stripped down service in in a, in a really in a really nice sort of reflective way, so it's a somber service. it has communion. Ray gave like a i'd say fifteen twenty minutes sort of more reflection than sermon, and then you know there's a handful of songs, but it wasn't a full band it was just it was just three people acoustic, so kind of keep it, keep it simpler for the musicians. Um, and, and then we did normally, we only have one service on Sundays. We did two, um, just because mainly because the parking and the kids facilities get overwhelmed fast. If we, if there's, you know, if it's a full service, so, and both services were, were full, but not over full and they were great, but also not, you know, it didn't feel like a big blowout extravaganza, just a really, you know, joyful worship service. So, but then, but then, I I have friends who are pastors at you know larger mega churches, and they're like renting out the civic center in their town, and they're doing multiple services there. And I saw a well, listener sent in. They're like, "Hey, Hillsong is requiring people to get tickets to their to their uh, service to reserve their spot. Like, you don't have to pay for it, but you have to reserve your spot." That's the insanity to me, dude.
1: That's outrageous. Pipe that is. I mean, is that a real thing? Yes.
0: <laughs> it's a real thing. I mean, and some of these churches, like the Hillsong one, okay, we called them out by name because they fall in that category of churches we poke at with some consistency. The other churches I will not name because they're actual friends, and they're still like that. You know, it's a good sized church; it's a few thousand person church. I don't know, four or five thousand people, and uh, but they they do multiple services at like the convention center or the civic center or something like that so that they can fit like 10,000 people at once. And I think they do multiple services there. And I just want to be like, why don't you just do it at your church and tell people to go find somewhere else to go? Like, I don't, or, or I don't, I don't understand that monster facility mentality. That seems crazy. And yeah, in that case, I can see why it would be busy because the logistics of that are a nightmare.
1: Dude, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's what I was going to say. So I don't, I don't want to be like all super ignorant about the whole thing. We're smaller, so we don't have the same, You know, we're not dealing with the same logistics and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of the dudes I'm talking to are either smaller than I am, not much bigger than I am. And it's still like the it's the mentality of like, dude, don't even think about bugging me this week because this week's crazy. To which my question is, you got to define crazy for me this week. How much of it is
0: how much of it is? It's like the it's the aura you know, so it's it's kind of like knowing that your favorite preacher is going to be sitting in the audience. So you're, like, you, you're doing the exact same thing you do every Sunday. You're going you're gonna to prepare you're a sermon. You're going to study mental. the Bible. So there's just pressure. In this case, it's like everybody's bringing friends and family. There's people who are coming who go to church twice a year. It's this time, and then it's to like yeah. the Christmas cantata, and that's it. Um, <laughs> and, and is it that pressure? Because if you sat down and were like, all right, let's do a numbered list of all the things you do this week— and all the things you do every other week for small and mid-sized churches I, the list can't be that different
1: yeah it just can't be well it's not for us and I, but here's the thing so you just keyed in on something that i think is real which is the pressure cuz i used to be at bigger churches where there where there was it even at bigger churches that i was at it wasn't like the week was crazier but there was that weirdo just pressure almost like you know you better not screw this one up like everything is hinging on you know on this on the service going off well to which it's just that i, I still don't even like doesn't get that that,
0: doesn't that feel so
1: just back the opposite of what we're trying to do right ever? i mean it's yeah. if
0: it's like the difference between people who who are throwing a party you know like that's gonna they're gonna throw a big christmas party and they're so excited that everybody's coming over and so kind of however it goes it's going to be fun because totally. they're excited and there's food and there's drinks and there's good company and then the person who's who's trying to play in the party who's so overwrought that every little detail be right and the place settings be perfect and ah the centerpiece is out of whack and the you know the wreath is crooked and that ruins the party kind of no matter how well it goes dude i, I feel know feel it's like getting, that's what it's churches Martha-y. do with easter they basically ruin they it for themselves
1: out, they martha out just to yes. get biblical yeah yeah it's it's weird I'll t- so this is what we did so i hate all that pressurey pastel like everybody's, you know, kind of, no pun, walking on eggshells around, like wah, everything's, wah. like
0: everything's going to... Yeah, after you drop them fall. from a helicopter, you're going to walk on them. That's how yeah, it
1: after after Derwin drops, holding the That's basket right. of, of Easter eggs. But, so this is what I said from the platform. I said, hey, I, you know, I recognize there's a lot in your faces. And I'm like, hey, thanks for being here. We're glad you joined us. Um, just so you know, like what you're going to experience this morning is what you'll experience every Sunday. Like we're not really like putting on the dog here or anything like that. So welcome. If you'd like to join us again, you, you're not you're not getting something that's not going to be repeated. This is it. Right. This is what we do. This is who we are. But I wanted to say that because it's like I know so many churches like you'll go there on Easter and they gloss it up and they're dousing you with like chocolate eggs the whole time. And mm-hmm. it's like, dude, that's not going to happen any other Sunday of the week.
0: Right. right, and and That's then the, the and then the following Sunday at larger churches I've been at, so they do that, and then the next Sunday, like the worship, it, there's like one hungover worship leader with his totally. with his tailor <laughs> up there doing like four songs, and and then the pastor's like, all right, I'm going to give you 15 mediocre minutes, and let's all leave, and so if somebody decided to stick around after Easter, they're getting the, I mean, it's like it's like the hair of the dog the hair of the dog service after Easter. I
1: know. I mean, there's like some truth to that. And I'll tell you, this is what I want, Pipe. What I want is I want to get some of our listeners who are pastors, after they listen to this podcast, man, I, I want to get them to post and say, my Easter week was totally normal. That's what I want to hear from them. If you had a really, if you had the most normal Easter week, with the exception that it was Easter, we want to hear from you. Just admit, man, it was a regular week. And if week. you were
0: insanely busy, we don't want to hear from you. Yeah, because we, we already heard from you. It's all over. It's all over Twitter. We heard already. Good job. It's not well
1: busier done. because there's more because you've decided to put more pressure on yourself. That that's doesn't right. make it. Busier.
0: Jesus didn't rise from the dead so you could put more pressure on yourself. That's not how that works. Dude, yeah,
1: wow, pipe. That's big, man. What you just said is big. That preaches right there. Wow
0: i kind of meant it tongue-in-cheek but also no i know but that was i know but you went there it was big so all right well let's uh let's pivot to a second topic still church related because we everybody just saw their churches a-list worship teams playing their best music um they probably all played um i don't know what's what is the quintessential easter song that gets played at every church is there one dude i have christ the lord has risen today yeah, we actually did that for the first time.
1: Actually, we did like a we did like a, a moderny version well, of, it kind of the thing. Well, that's because you're a
0: grown-up church now.
1: Yeah, I know. You did I it. Know. Good job. You moved on. And it's been, it's been you stuck in my head for two worship. days, and I'm just bummed that we did because it's like the worst. If there's if you could pick one worst song, like Pipe, what would be the worst worship song to get stuck in your head? To me, that's in the top three for sure. Yeah, that's that's it. It's pretty bad.
0: I don't like that one much. That's true.
1: I yeah, I don't know if anybody does. Yeah, but. we
0: we'd have to chew on it to come up with the worst one. But so. Sunday was the A-list worship team. We had a listener send in a, a, uh, a question, speaking of churches, worship teams, music, A-listers, etc., saying, kind of, what's the deal with churches putting out worship albums? What do we think about that? He said he kind of feels weird about it. He didn't make a definitive, like, it's stupid statement, but it was definitely sort of a, ah, that seems weird. Then he made it personal, because he mentioned that he used to attend to the church where I am now, and our church uh, uh, last fall put out a, a a worship recording of you know eight or nine yeah. songs. It was a live recording, yeah, yeah. so with the with the congregation there. And um, so as a uh, as a former man of music or a man in yeah. the music industry, you're still a man of music. Let's be honest. Sure. Um, and also a church leader. What are your thoughts, feelings, um, contentions, criticisms, whatever about churches putting out worship albums?
1: Yeah, I think, like, the typical thing that our listeners would probably think is we'd be all anti it. I Frankly, I don't care. Uh, number two, um, I actually think it can be a really good idea um, if if it's really if – you, if, you, if you put it out there in terms of it being a resource for your congregation mm-hmm. and you're singing a lot of the songs that you put on it, especially if you're a church that writes a lot of originals. It's just a way for your congregation to, like, listen to what you sing on Sundays, know the songs better, enjoy them. Um, I think it's fine, I, and again, like putting out records and recording now because of home recording is easier than ever right. to get really nice sounding recordings. So uh, you know, unlike what we do here on the podcast, probably, but but generally, it's so speaking,
0: easy to do that we haven't even done it yet.
1: <laughs> we've never even dealt never like even tried. Recordings. That's right. But yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. I, I mean, I you know, I think if it's something. I think it's something worthy for like if you have a full time worship guy to I, I think to maybe spend his time doing, you know, occasionally is put out a recording of everything they do, especially if you got a lot of great musicians and um, you got a you got a you got a band that really has established a particular sound. I I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I get it, it's fine.
0: I, I think so. One of the things you said that I resonate completely with. So I'll, I'll take it one step further and I'll, I'll say it's not only fine. I think it's great. I love it when churches do this. As long as a significant number of the songs they're doing are original compositions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think that's such a fantastic way. Well, first of all, I will say any music, any worship music coming out of a church, I am more inclined to like than something coming out of a a record label. Yeah, yeah. Because that's not worship music, that's commercial that's just commercial junk with with some with some like Jesus glitter sprinkled on it to make it shiny and pretty and fool the people at K Love. Like it's not <coughs> it's not actual worship music. Whereas you listen to stuff that comes out of churches who are intentionally writing, composing music, thinking how can we lead our congregation in worship? How can we yeah. how can we how can we do something that supports a sermon series or that walks people through a book of the Bible or things like that? those are always better songs, you know, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, and honestly, the musicians are of professional quality too, because the, the, your famous worship musicians who are with record labels are not better musicians than any number of worship leaders and worship bands. They're just not. And so
1: like, it the is one, what it is. Yeah. The one musicians that Emmanuel put out,
0: yeah. I re, I mean, I really like it. Austin stone does great stuff. Um, you were part of the Sojourn Network. There's more than one church in Sojourn that puts these out. There's a church called Red Mountain in Birmingham, which is one of the uh-huh. first churches I know who did this. They do a lot of kind of re- revising old hymns and putting new tunes to it. Um, so generally speaking, I think it's great. The only downside is if, the, if there are commercial aspirations.
1: Well, and I think that's what's going to take the hit. And it's like so then you get into the idea of, OK, so are we going to release – how are we going to release it? you know, Sojourn got super hipster and used to put out vinyls. But I think it was because a lot of the people that were coming to their churches would like enjoyed that medium. So, um, so a- again, it's like, yeah, what, what's the motivation behind it? And I, whereas my know,
0: church gave out CDs to everybody and I it was like, I don't, I don't own a CD player. Yeah. Yet. Nobody owns a CD player anymore. I don't have so one in like, my car. Well, I think I do now, but the car I had at the time didn't have one. I don't have one on my computer and I don't, I don't own They one just needed to put a
1: link on the in the bulletin so you would know where to go download.
0: Yeah, it. I mean I it was available digitally, so I just went and downloaded it, but for sure. The, uh, yeah, I mean it's just the it's the the other thing that comes out of this is oftentimes we sing new songs at church that are written by worship leaders from other churches, so they're not yeah. they're not your big record label releases totally or or like the you know the hill songs the bethels the whoever is you know used to be like vineyard back in the day like those big worship networks passion yeah. it's not one of those it's coming from it's coming from a Matt Boswell mm-hmm. it's coming from an Aaron totally. Ivey or you know and or the the worship leaders they lead with who they write with and those are often just they're awesome songs and they're they're much more they're much more singable, too, because they're not designed for performance as much as they are corporate worship. So I don't know. I, I like it. I, Dude, I think – you know what it is, too, though? I mean you brought up a good point. But I think, um, I think,
1: I think when people hear like musicians and recording, they immediately go to – you know they immediately go to music industry with it. So yeah. there's automatically in people's mind this thing of like, well, why are you releasing something? Is it because you want to be famous? Is it because you want everyone to hear it? It's like, well, no, no. I do want everybody to hear it. The only reason why you would ever release anything is because you want as many people as possible to, to hear it. <laughs> right. Like correct. that's just that's just common. You know, why do it? if you Except don't this podcast.
0: We do this with no ex- expectation or intention of anybody listening to it.
1: So the fact that, that we do have a decent uh, amount
0: of people listening to it is just gravy. Right. But yep, utterly uh, accidental. Totally.
1: Um, and so and that and to me, like, that's what it is. Like, I, you know, I want as many people as possible to hear the podcast. I would want as many people as possible to hear a worship album or anything that I do. But again, the motivation behind it is, I think, especially in a church context, if you're doing it to serve your congregation, yeah, do it, man. I mean like it, it's just going to – it's, it's going gonna to make for a better um, – it's going to make for ultimately better worshipers, especially if they're more keyed into what it is you're singing on Sunday. Rather than hearing a song once every four weeks, they can – they really know it. You know? Right. I don't know. I don't know. What,
0: uh, let me pose this question. Is it – if you post your church's sermons online or you have a podcast feed? You know, so at our church, we have, you know, in a manual church podcast feed, you can subscribe to it. So, you know, by Monday morning, you can get that that week's sermon. Um, We also live stream it, which, you know, not every church does live stream. A lot of churches do podcasts because it's it's free, basically. Um, What's the difference?
1: Um, I don't well, I don't think there's. I
0: don't, except I don't really, except like cost. It costs more to put out a decent album just cuz of editing and yeah. production and, and that kind of thing.
1: But But you're not doing that every week even right. so that's a one time thing. I I don't know. I don't see any difference with it. See, I don't know. So I've released I have released so many things in my life that to me I don't even it's not even something that goes through my mind. Like if you have something to release, um I, I don't know, release it, uh, you know, if if right. you want people to hear what you're doing, release it. I just, you know what I mean? I Again, if, it, if, you, if it's a money-making thing and then – but I don't know what's going on in somebody's heart when they release something, what their motivations are.
0: I think the uh, only reason so. this is a question is because the idea of worship music has been co-opted by, by so, the commercial side of things. So the churches who are releasing the albums are doing what the church has been doing forever. When the Wesleys wrote hymns, when Isaac Watts wrote hymns, when William Cooper wrote hymns, when Anne Steele wrote hymns, they were, they were releasing those as hymnals for the church at large.
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: When, you know, Columbia Records gets a hold of a Christian artist and decides to commercialize them and they call it worship music, that's a a bastardization of this thing. It's not a... That's not worship music and then we're trying to jump on that train. Like, they're trying to they're trying to sort of co-opt a thing that's been good for a long time.
1: Totally, man. It's just edificate. I mean, like Jesus wanted his words released, right? That's what Yeah. That's why we read the Bible, right? So it's like as many people as possible to hear good content. I mean, like let's get it out there. Right. I mean, that's my philosophy on it. I mean, I don't I just don't care. I mean, I can't judge another person's motives, so that's that's between them and the Lord. Um but like man, I just I can't imagine like I can't imagine like any sort of like argumentation about whether I should
0: release my st-
1: it's like well if you don't want anyone but your congregation to hear your sermons well don't don't release it
0: I don't know and most churches don't in terms of like their music most churches don't do albums but they if don't. you have it do it it's great
1: yeah right exactly so why not
0: so uh, you, you made the point of you know we, we want to spread good content out there we want as much of it out there as possible uh, let's, let's make a, a quick turn into bad content uh, um, because why not um, I would like you, Ronnie, to give me a defense for why oh, people boy. should watch eight seasons of softcore porn. <laughs> and by that, I mean Game of Thrones.
1: Um, wow. If you
0: couldn't tell, I have a bit of a slant and an agenda in this question. Pipe. I'm
1: so glad that I don't watch uh,
0: GOT, man. Would you be, so when, You'd be very triggered right now, wouldn't you? As I'm sure some of our listeners are, they've probably tuned out because they're like, ugh, these conservative blowhards. But here we are.
1: Dude, yeah, it's a great question, man. I mean, it, it's a really great question because, um, yeah, I don't, really, I don't really get it. I watched, um, so I'm going to, uh, full disclosure, man, I, I think one time, and it may have been on a plane, I don't know, it was when I was hearing all the, oh, dude, Game of Three, you know, like all the hype, right? All the got hype. And, um, and I think I watched like a quarter of an episode one time because I was like, oh, all right, you know, let me see what it, let me see what it's all about, you know? And, um, and I remember I got through literally, I don't even know if I got through a quarter of an episode, but I remember thinking like, dude, hold on. I mean, this is a lot of stuff that like, I should not be exposing myself to. Yeah. And again, it was just some random, I mean, it was nothing. It was nothing I even searched out. It was just something that was there. And I said, well, let me check it out. And it was like, oh, I can't watch this you know what i mean and um, it was the content was I, I mean i thought the content was just insane yeah
0: so yes. I, you know. I i never i never, I've, I've never watched a full episode i've watched right. snippets here and there just you know clips that have been out there i've i've tried to watch an episode ran into the same thing but here's the thing i uh i read the books up to the ones that have been released i think the story in yeah. the show has has now passed up where the books are and after reading it i was like oh i sh- i should not see this on screen this is not yeah. a good idea. I'm not even sure I should have read it. They were brilliantly written and great stories, which is why people love them because it is it is one of the best sort of epic storytelling things in existence right now. And it's it's not childish. You know, like Harry Potter was brilliant in its own right, but it was it was aimed at at kids basically. Yeah, it's um, children's
1: stories, but yeah, yeah, this
0: is this is grown up that. I just I have yet to hear a compelling argument of of why it is a good idea for Christian people to watch that level of I mean just it's it is it it's just rampant with With the sexual content, the nudity, the, I mean, there's rape, there's incest. It's not just like there are some scenes. You know, we make that joke about a lot of things, you know, things you can sort of skip over whatever. It's just, it's just woven throughout. And um, the only thing I've heard people praise the good aspects of it as if that outweighs the bad. Okay. I understand (laughs) that it's, it's really well-written. And in terms of sort of filmography and the way that it's shot and acted and everything, spectacular. Got it. Um, I haven't heard anybody say that stuff is all defensible. The best you get is it doesn't really affect me or the other stuff outweighs it. Is that even a compelling argument or are people just rationalizing?
1: I don't know. I I mean, I think that's – but I think that's that's it right there because I think like we've come out of an era – of Christianity where, you know, if we go back, if we go back far enough, there was that whole, you know, it was coming out of that bubble, you know, that evangelical bubble where it's like everything, we can't partake of anything that doesn't exist or was that originated within the church because, you know, it's, it's secular and somehow, um, it's not something that's going to edify us on any level. And so I think we've cut, like we've made some strides coming from that because there's a lot of artistic things that we as Christians should dive into, that we should embrace, that aren't super provocative, that can be edifying, even if there is a sense of, of uh, you know, even if there is a, even if there is parts of, of it that, that may be of a little provocative. you know. So I, I think I think on that level we can enjoy certain things um, that that can you know have a bit of a um, you know can be a bit edgy. But I think like there has to be a line, right? Right. We have to pull back and we have to go, Okay, but this isn't like this is not doing anything good for my heart on any level. Right. Because, again, I'm a human being and I'm susceptible uh, to things, you know, uh, changing and reshaping my heart. So, again, like what what that line is, I, I mean, to me, it would be really hard to make a compelling case that from just an artistic standpoint, that is. That is justification for you to dive into what I would say, like pipe, like calling it softcore, I think is being really generous with it as well. As <laughs> soft core porn. I mean, dude, it's like it's crazy. Yeah. And so, and I, and I think Kevin DeYoung wrote an article that, uh, like, last year on this one that you know, a
0: couple of years ago when the. the to new be fair, season, if you started it then, you're probably still reading it. But you know, yeah, pr- <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> totally. it is it is eleven hundred pages long.
1: But yeah, but I, so I don't know. I I mean, again, so on one hand you can go, well, okay, I don't have the conscience to do certain things, but I have the freedom to do other things. To me, this one is just on any level, I would argue with anybody that this one, this one just goes to beyond, it just goes beyond that, right?
0: Yeah. I, and that's the thing is I, I have this like gut visceral reaction against drawing lines that are, that are like for other people and saying, that's just a no. I mean, obviously, you get to things like pornography. No, that's not right. okay. You know, illegal substances. No, that's not okay. But, but other than that, I mean, I, most things I look at and I'm like, it's, there's a matter of conscience. There's a matter of judgment. This is one that, it, I mean, it took me seven and a half seasons of this show, but I'm finally at a place where I'm like, I, I think the line is no. Yeah, I think the line sure. is just that, the compilation of what's in that, the good doesn't outweigh the bad. And and, I don't, and I'm not a prude, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be heavy-handed. The other thing is, is listening and watching young guys try to defend it while doing just a masterful tap dance around the issues of like the effect that watching nudity has on them. They just won't even address it. They won't even acknowledge that it's an issue, except that bloody everybody knows it's an issue. And and so there's it's just lying. It's lying to themselves, and that's I think what has finally pushed me over the edge. Is watch guys just essentially just like throw their hands over their eyes and be like, "I'm not seeing what you're putting in front of me." La 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 la. You know, I'm not I'm not listening kind of thing, and and it's just it's asinine. It's there. I I can't I can't get around that one anymore.
1: Dude, no, I know. And like I think like there's two things that struck me about what you just said, man, is that um like on one hand, yeah, we came out of that era where we don't want to sound prudish. We don't want to say, hey, it's not like it man, it's you know what I mean? It's it's like, you know, man, we gotta be able to watch stuff that goes beyond the smurfs, even though I was right. never even allowed to watch the smurfs, right? But like I was gonna like, say so that
0: one had a wizard in it. That's it's it correct.
1: Correct. But I mean but at the same time, I mean there there, I, I think, so a lot of the people that, a lot of my friends, right. That, that come from, you know, the industry that I came out of, um, I think if you can put an artistic tag on something, in other, in other words, if something is a great film or it's something that's sort of a, a must listen to because like musically, you know, it like checks out, checks off all of these like, like boxes because it's amazing and it's artistic. And, um, it's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of in, you know ingenuity with the production all those types of things somehow like that that in and of itself like justifies you know the listening or the right. exposure to it and so on one hand you're like well yeah i don't want to be prudish about that and you know I, I i want to be able to like watch something that or i want to be able to listen to something on on a particular level whether it's production or whether it's lyrical whether it's musicianship whether it's filmmaking or whether it's acting i want to be able to appreciate that because there can be a benefit to that. Mm-hmm. But there has to be a particular line where you just go, that's just not healthy for me though. Like that well, and, conjures up things in my mind and right. my heart yes. that's gonna take me to a place where I gotta stand before God and I gotta say, like, are you okay with that? And, and then have to yeah.
0: And the question of like what is what is being what is being set forth as sort of normative and and acceptable and good. You know, there are plenty of there are plenty of really good movies that have nudity in them a good in the sense of like it's it's you, you can make a good justification for why people who follow Jesus should watch this now either that you look at you look at one short scene and say that's a you know that's a that's a thing that needs to be skipped or you can kind of explain what it's doing in there something like game of thrones is it's it's great. basically it's just normative for there to be to be sex, to be nudity, yeah. to be, you know, whatever. It's just sort of – it's like the context, the backdrop. And that – that's exactly the kind of thing that that we would say is problematic about the porn industry, like the over-sexification of society, except that in this case, because it's got the art label on it, exactly. we, we call it okay. And the thing is I think people need to remember that art is not amoral. Exactly. It, it can be. Yeah. But – but art promotes something, it shares a message of some kind, and so it i don't know it it feels so intellectually and spiritually dishonest to hear Christians defend it and I'm kind of surprising myself because I didn't realize I felt so strongly about it until about three days ago, well, probably about the start of season eight, and just that
1: yeah, well, because everybody's going bonkers over and season it has eight. it has yeah. taken
0: over my social media feeds, which you know i'm I'm thinking about going the way of Ted until the stupid show is over, and uh it it's just everywhere and then hearing Christian people defend it, and I'm just like that i don't I don't get you and i don't i' I don't try try not to be judgmental, I'm certainly not a legalistic person, but that just seems like a line that I can't figure yeah, out why you sure. decided I- to just triple jump right over.
1: I know, dude. Well, dude, yeah. I mean, pipe, you know, and it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. I'm not going to judge anybody if they're geeking out on on the new season and all that. I mean, because I'm not having a personal conversation with them. I mean, this is this is this is this will probably be the extent of my personal conversation with anybody about Game of Thrones because I don't watch it anyway. And and honestly, the pe- you know, my closest friends don't watch Game of Thrones anyway. You know, it's just not mm-hmm. a topic of conversation. But yeah, but when it's all over, and then when it's when you feel like. In other words, like it's, it does something like, it's strange to think that it does something weird to my conscience when I, when I'm, when I'm viewing somebody on social media thinking that's so strange, they would watch that. Yes. You know what I mean? And it doesn't mean that I'm judging them at, at all. I just think like, I, I just, I'm, I am make, I'm making a judgment on it as a whole saying your heart can't handle like what that shows dishing out. Right. Um, and I, I, I just believe that's true. And it's not because I'm more sensitive or I'm more spiritually mature. It's right. like no, no. I would I would make a value judgment on that and say I don't I don't believe anybody anybody can withstand you know um, the temptations yeah. and the imagery and we, all you, of that. Nobody, that, that, you don't that.
0: control the images that stick in your head. I'm exactly. not I'm not a psychologist, but when you see things, you don't get to choose to forget them. You know, you don't have a hard drive that you can just go in and like move that file to the trash. That's not yeah. It's not how the mind works. So like when you see naked people or graphic violence or whatever the thing is that that will kind of imprint itself on you you it's there yeah and and i think i think it's a lack of it's a profound lack of self-awareness by a lot of people to recognize that they're they are stocking their minds with this stuff and it's going to be to their detriment and the other thing is maybe they just don't care there are some people well there are plenty of people who just don't care but um yeah i don't know it's it's uh it's a it's of great confusion to me, and I it seemed like something that uh, that would that would be worthy of bringing up on on the podcast to kind of talk through. I wish we could get Ted's opinions on it. I'm sure he has some thoughts too.
1: Dude, yeah, I think a lot of it is just being like, if I'm if I'm going to look at my own life, you know, there's probably things that like I'm, I become calloused about, mm-hmm. like whether it's things that I see or things that I listen to. Or things that I read, I don't think much about it. Maybe because I've engaged in it for so long, and and that and that's probably it's it's probably the same way with uh, with Game of Thrones. With some people, they've watched it since season one. They've gotten used to the imagery. It, it's something that doesn't it doesn't really you know it, it's something that doesn't even um you know are you it are you, even moving, cause them to be are you moving
0: it, it towards yeah. neutral or are you saying that's a bad thing?
1: No, I'm saying that's a bad thing because like anything that we let our minds just anything okay. that anything that we let our minds and our hearts like standardize yeah. when you know when you know especially if you're a believer you have the holy spirit there's a particular kind of sensitivity there um man I, it's something's i mean something's not going right you know internally right. if, if we've gotten to that place with anything and again it doesn't i mean dude it can be we know that we know that anything can become an idol Anything can become something that we can't live without. Anything can just sap all of our affection. And um, and, if, and if that's one of those, th- in other words, the question I would like to ask is, hey, are you able to just stop watching it? You know, and yeah. if you know, and that that's the question that you would have to ask somebody. But somebody could ask the same thing uh, of me and, and other areas that are that are probably a little less provocative, right? Are you able to stop? eating that are you able to stop like listening to that are you able to stop you know loving that particular thing that you love even though it might kind of seem fairly neutral well i don't know if i can't then that's kind of the question we're asking what kind of a? right what kind of are we enslaved to it
0: yeah and i are... think i think that's i think that's a fair question i mean it's the kind of question we should be asking about anything yeah whether it's whether it's technology we're addicted to or work habits or working out or food or i right. mean alcohol or, or or watching you know watching shows but there is something different about just content that is pretty explicitly out, out, of, out of bounds for a Christian. Like this is outside of a thing that God would yeah. consider good. I and know. that's – I mean so food is a neutral that we can turn into an idol. Porn is bad. <laughs> i mean I don't, dude, at the risk of stating the obvious
1: paper, porn is bad dude i love it like all this stu- all this stuff man all we need to know about porn pipe is that porn is
0: bad but don't 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 participate in that it's bad
1: dude i love it man i love how man we're really dadding out right now yeah aren't
0: we? i know that's what i feel like i feel like my dad is yelling at me through my own voice right now totally. and it makes me uncomfortable but yeah, also i, don't, I, I don't think we might be, be, be right i feel
1: fully yelled at yeah. i feel like super guilty for Watching Game of Thrones, even though I've literally never watched it, you
0: know. Yeah. yeah.
1: Thanks. thanks.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we have uh, we have done what we always do, and we have wandered to and fro. And for listeners who have been with us for a while, you know that we have a standard sign off, but um, we've decided to to set that one aside, both because we've used it for a few years, but also because Rachel Held Evans in the last couple weeks has been in a really serious health condition. You can find more about it online Um, and needs our prayers. And we've, we've used her name as a joke for a variety of reasons, but this isn't a joking thing. So we're going to, we're going to refrain from using her name as our sign off anymore. So until next time, I'll leave you with this listeners girl. Wash your face. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. What happens when a writer and former history teacher goes toe-to-toe
1: with his best friend, a nationally touring stand-up comedian? Total carnage, that's what. Two men enter, and two men leave, because... That's how it works.
0: (laughs) Actually, you get hilarious, real, and insightful conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between.
1: Join me, comedian Johnny W., and my pal, author, and speaker, John Driver, for Talk About That at lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.